our, what we're talking about today is the um, what, what's evolution without love? What is evolution without love? Evolution, evolution, that, that's called, that urge to expand and express is a demonstration of, of the, the call of the soul, which is our theme for this month. You know, it was Carl Jung that said, who looks outside dreams and who looks inside awakens. And the call of the soul, which is our theme this month, is, is a deeply intimate and personal um, expression or experience. And while at the same time, it is also universal. It is a shared experience. It is something, this call, this urge to express is something that we all know. It is alive within each one of us. And that call to evolve, to express and to expand it is inviting us every day to do our inner work so that we can embody and express that greater version of us yet to be. And while it's personal, while each one's call is, is individual and unique to them, it is globally beneficial. Because when any one of us awaken it affects the all. It evolves the global consciousness. You know, if you look at any of the masters in any field, whether it is in spirituality or in the arts, in education, in science, in any of the sciences, the masters, those who listen to the call of their soul to evolve and to open up to a greater awareness, to awaken, those individuals who awoke made a difference in the world around them. In our message this morning of what's evolution without love, I want us to consider how is it possible to evolve, to grow as individuals as well as, as a as a society, as a race, humanity without love. Evolution without love is, is apathy. It's complacence. It's lethargic. I mean, it's easy to talk about love. It's easy to talk about love. Words are cheap. That's what my father used to say. That was one message I heard from him, among others. But it's more challenging to love our neighbors as ourselves. And for many of us, we have the challenge to even just love ourselves. Today, as we talk about this evolutionary leap in answering the call of our soul, this evolutionary leap of radical love, it is calling us to love ourselves and to love the world, to love all around us. You know, in the science of mind and spirit, which is the philosophy that we embrace here at Concordia, what we know is that spirit, 
source, God, divine mind, whatever name you call it, it doesn't care. <laughs> it is. It's even beyond that. Lao Tzu says that the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. And this spirit is changeless reality. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is both the Alpha and the Omega, which means it's the beginning and the end. And spirit, source, is even outside of that, greater than that, even greater than the concepts and constructs of beginnings and ends. And this one life spirit, this changeless reality, this love intelligence, it created all life out of itself. It made everything of itself. And so everything, every living being inherits those same qualities of this one life. Because we're made of that one. Spirit is free. There's no restrictions in God. God is not restricted or bound. And so our birthright is freedom. Spirit's nature is light. And therefore, being made of light, then what does that mean we are infused with? and the, the product and the substance of light to the degree that we recognize that light. And although we come from the one creator, often we have, as human beings, have these the spiritual experiences. Sometimes we seem to forget our nature, the, the nature of spirit within us, spirit expressing itself as itself, and the nature of God, the all of it begins and ends in love. God is love. And so us, as individuals, being made of love, love is our nature. Don't you agree? Now, if we look around the world today, our experience and what we notice in the world may not look very loving. As we look around the world today, it may seem that we have forgotten that knowing and that message. You know, it was in 1965, Jackie DeShannon wrote the lyrics, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. You know, as I say that, I, my, I've got goosebumps. You know, the question in today's message is, what's evolution without love? Well, first of all, you can't spell evolution without L-O-V-E. And as we look around and we look at the world and we look at the circumstances in which we find ourselves, the political arena, I mean, every arena, honestly, it can look hopeless. All the finger pointing, but it's not hopeless. Because while we may 
have forgive, forgotten for a moment the truth that we are love. It doesn't change the reality with a capital R. It doesn't change the reality that love is here right now. I mean, when the lights are off in the room, it doesn't change the reality that light is present even at a at the level of these photons. There is light even in the darkness and there is love present even when we see and maybe experience separation. Spirit is present everywhere. And so because spirit is present everywhere, then love is present everywhere. And because love does not coerce, love does not force, we only see and experience that love. That the love that the world needs, the experience of, we only experience to the degree that we allow ourselves to be that. It is up to us. The love is here. It is our nature. It is up to us to embrace it, to embody it, to release what is not love, to practice love, to wake up to our true nature. And in so doing, we experience evolution. You know, Dr. Holmes said that evolution is the awakening of the soul to a recognition of its unity with the whole. So as we awaken to our nature and as love, and as we practice it, then we bring and allow it to come through us. In so doing, just as I said, as those who awoke, the masters who have awoken in every field, changed the global consciousness as we awaken to our true nature, as we awaken and become a master of ourselves, self-mastery, the mastery of love in the face of circumstances, in the face of finger pointing, in the face of what looks like separation and division then we up-level the consciousness of all. You know, if you're new to Concordia Center for Spiritual Living, we are a part of a global movement whose vision is a world that works for everyone, that arises out of this unity with the whole. We envision a world where personal responsibility what we are able to do and to be, what we are demonstrating in our, in our lives, where personal responsibility joins with social conscience in every area. We envision a world in which we live and grow as one global family that loves ourselves that loves one another and it respects and honors the interconnectedness of all life. And in order for us to do this, we must awaken ourselves to our own spiritual magnificence. We must awaken to the truth that we are love. You are love. I am love. And while we at times may not we may feel fear. We may hear the voice of an inner critic saying, who do you think you are? What the world needs now is love. 
sweet love. What each of us need is to awaken to our truth, to awaken to this love because love is what points the way forward for a world that works for everyone. And I know that it can be difficult. Look, it can be difficult looking out and seeing those who don't agree with us, who have a different point of view, who may even tell us that we're wrong or it's, you know, or that we are looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. Get real. Don't be so Pollyanna-ish. And even in the face of that, in order for there to be love in the world, it must come through us. And so for a world that works for everyone, we must love ourselves and we must love even that which can seem unlovable. In love... In that quality, in our nature, there is us. There is we. There is no other. There isn't separation. And a world that is in alignment with this divine reality is a world of truth. And it is, in fact, a world of justice for all. You know, this weekend we are celebrating a new federal holiday Juneteenth, Juneteenth, which is the the merging of June 19th together as one word, Juneteenth, which this new federal holiday, while it is new to many, it's not new to a large part of our, our community, our larger community. And the recognition of this holiday, it marks a small step forward for our country that can invite us into truly truth and justice for all, to a world that works for everyone. You know, Juneteenth, it marks a time in history that is largely unknown to uh, within the white community. While it has been celebrated for decades, decades amongst the American African community, June 19th, if you did not know, is is, um, the remembrance of June 19th, 1865. Now, what happened? What happened on June 19th, 1865? Well, that was when the last slaves of the Confederacy were emancipated. It's also known as Freedom Day. It's known um, by many names, Emancipation Day. You know, Personally, I'll tell you, it was only just a couple years ago that I even heard of Juneteenth Day without and without even really understanding and knowing what it is. If if you have this month's issue of the Science of Mind magazine, there is an article there to to give some further insight and and uh, you can read all about that, um, about it. But just just to tell you a little bit, Juneteenth has been a tradition for more than 150 years in this country. It finds its roots in Texas. And on June 19, 1865, in Galveston, Texas, the enslaved African-Americans in that city, finally, they were informed finally of their freedom, which was actually declared by Abraham Lincoln two and a half years before. 
The Emancipation Proclamation was January 1st of 1863. Think about that. January 1, 1863, President Lincoln said that all enslaved people shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. That was the proclamation. And it took two and a half years for those slaveholders to be forced by the military to, to bring the message that those who had continued, even when they were free, they didn't know it. And those who thought that just because their skin is a different color than mine, that I have the right to own another. Juneteenth Day is when the last were informed that you were free. So participation, celebration of this holiday um, grew throughout the years as descendants continued traditions in Texas and as families moved throughout the South and throughout the country, celebrations of Juneteenth began to appear in cities around the country. And until this past week, when President Biden signed an almost unanimous bill. There were 12, 12 who said that they didn't think it should be a holiday. But the overwhelming majority of those in Washington said it is only right that all of our citizens know the truth and celebrate our history and experiences. President Biden said, this week when he signed that bill into law, he said Juneteenth marks both the long and hard night of slavery and subjugation and the promise of a greater morning to come. You know, the history of slavery and segregation continues to inflict pain on our society today. This is just a small mark, this small acknowledgement. I mean, there is even today the continual disenfranchisement of people of color. You know, pay attention. Pay attention to what is happening with voting laws and rights around the country. Fannie Lou Hammer said, nobody's free until all are free. No, Juneteenth offers a light of hope on the fight for freedom and justice. An evolution of our society it, of, for, of, to a step closer to a world that works for all. And it is in a world that works for all that we honor the history of all parts of our community. And we work to make sure that all voices and experiences are honored and, and heard where there is inclusivity and oneness. Oneness is our primary spiritual principle in science of mind. And so this, this step forward is a, is in a step towards the experience and demonstration of oneness where at least there's a little bit a little bit less separation and the hope that we can continue to evolve.
that this becomes a way of being with one another. Now, I realize that some, some of you may wonder, what does this have to do with love? Some may say, well, this sounds actually a little political. <laughs> what does this have to do with science of mind and spiritual living? You know, but Dr. Holmes, he said that the aim of evolution, and that's what we're talking about, evolution, the aim of evolution is to produce a human who, as the point of his objective thought, may completely manifest the whole idea of life may bring unity to the point of particularization, finding nothing in the law to oppose it. What? <laughs> oh, Holmes had a way of weaving words together. What does this mean? The aim of evolution is love made, it of, made us of itself. And we are love. And it is the aim of evolution for us to awaken to that love and to let that love shine in us, through us, and as us, so that the inside and the outside matches us. That we can be and are truly are the place where love shows up. That there is no other, that there is no them, even if we disagree. That we love enough to actually welcome diversity, that we love enough that we are inclusive. You know, I want to tell you a story that Don Miguel Ruiz writes about in his book, The Mastery of Love. If you haven't read this book, it's a, it's a powerful book, The Mastery of Love. I was turned on to it. I know that all of you love the four agreements. Well, this is, this is an expansion of that, especially around love. And he shares a story in this book that I believe it illustrates how this ties into spiritual living, how personal responsibility and social conscience is a demonstration of spiritual living. But there was a master, a spiritual teacher who was talking to a crowd of people and his message was so wonderful that everyone's heart was just cracked open. And there was one individual in particular, this man who listened to every word that the master said and, and he was very humble and he had a great heart, but he was so touched by the master's words that he felt that he needed to invite the master to his home. And so when the master was finished speaking, the man walked through the crowd, made his way to go and speak to this teacher. And he told him, he said, I know you're very busy. I know that everybody wants your attention. And I understand that you hardly have time to even listen to my words. But my heart is so open. And I feel so much love for you that I just need to invite you to my home. I want to prepare the best meal for you. I, I don't expect that you'll accept, but I just had to let you know. And the master looked into these, these man's eyes and, and with the most beautiful side, he said, prepare everything. I will be there. <laughs> well, the man left and, and with his heart just full of joy and he rushed home. And he could hardly wait to serve his teacher, 
and to express and demonstrate his love for his teacher. This he knew was going to be the most important day of his life. His master was going to be with him. His teacher was going to come. And so what did the man do? The man went out and bought the best food that he could find. He bought the best wine and he even bought the most beautiful clothes to offer as gifts to his teacher. And then he rushed home with all of his purchases to prepare this meal. He cleaned his entire home from the, from the roof to the floor and made the table look beautiful. And his heart was full of joy because his master would soon be there. He was waiting anxiously and then someone knocked at the door and he rushed to the door and he opened the door. Instead of the master, there was an old woman who was there and she looked into his eyes and said, I am starving. Can you give me a piece of bread? And the man was a little disappointed because that was not the master before him. And he looked at the woman and he said, come, come, please come into my home. And he sat her in the place where that he had set aside for his master, and he gave her the food that he had made for his teacher. But he was anxious and, and was hoping to, her, that she would hurry up and rush her out. And he, the old woman was touched by his generosity, and she thanked him as she left. Well, he got the table all ready again, and, and he hardly finished before there was another knock at the door. And he ran to the door because he knew that his master had finally arrived, and he opened the door. And there was a stranger, a man who had traveled across the desert. And the stranger looked into his eyes and said, I am thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? <sighs> Come inside. The man, again, was a little disappointed. It wasn't his teacher, but he invited the stranger to sit in the place that he had prepared for his master, and he offered him wine that he had bought special for his teacher. And again, a little anxious, trying to hurry him along. When, when the stranger left, he thanked him for, his, for the drink and off we, he made the table again, preparing it. Oh, any moment now. Again, a knock at the door, and he opened the door. And the third time, it wasn't the master, but instead there was a child looking up at him and said, I am freezing. Can you give me a blanket to cover my body? He looked into the eyes of that child with love in his heart, and he gathered the clothes that he bought for his teacher. And he covered the child with his clothes. And the child thanked him and left. The man prepared every, everything again. And he waited until late in the evening when he realized that the master wasn't coming. And he was disappointed. But because he loved his teacher, he forgave. And that night as he went to sleep, his master appeared to him in a dream and he said, I knew, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. 
You kept your word. He said, yes, yes, my son, I am here. But I was here before. I was hungry and you fulfilled my need for food. I was thirsty and you gave me wine. I was cold and you covered me with clothes. Whatever you do for others, you do for me. And the man awoke happy because he understood what his teacher taught him. It was Desmond Tutu who said that, let me share this quote from him. He said, my humanity is bound up in yours. For we can only be human together. What does evolution, what is evolution without love? It makes us unhuman. Love is who we are as human beings. And it is our process, our practice to awaken to that and to lift those, to share with those who are in need. Because others, there is only one life here and the pain of others. Well, as Bishop Tutu says, my humanity is bound up in yours. If you are in pain, how can I not notice unless my heart is closed? Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is love and light, and all that it has created is love and light. And the call of our soul, which is what we are talking about this month, is a call for us to live in harmony with one another, where there is no them or others, but there is us, there is we, there is one family. Each of us are free to express ourselves in, in whatever way we see fit. And so in our evolution, in our practice, in our move forward to, to a world, to be in service of a world that works for us and for all, for everyone, let us celebrate our oneness. Let us celebrate and, and strive to demonstrate our interconnectedness. And we realize this by certainly, we will achieve this idea by certainly working in service to this vision. In a universe that spirals upward, it spirals because it is powered by love. Here's an affirmation that we could work with this week. I move forward in my life from a place of love. Say that with me. I move forward in my life from a place of love. And one more time, whisper it 
allow with your heart to say it. I move forward in my life from a place of love. And so it is. Happy Juneteenth Day and Namaste.